0: Ooh, this is AOK Radio, your go-to place for a little escape. Inner child, current child, adults, come on down for an easy listen. This is iEscape signing on, whoever and wherever you are, welcome. The escape begins right now. Uh AOK Radio signing on. Man, so I dropped the ball when it comes to the well, you probably pretty much figured it out by the title of this video. The one year anniversary has come and gone of AOK Radio. So the very first episode, which is titled My First Time Voice Acting, is it dates back to October 16th. 2019. And where are we now? We're in February of 2021. <laughs> so yeah, it's a little bit over a year now. And man, I, I really dropped the ball. But hey, better late than ever. At least I, I knew it was coming up. And then just time flies. But I figured uh, an opener to this video. I would say most importantly, thank you all for Listening in to these episodes, whether you are new or have been listening for a while, I really appreciate it. And um, I always look forward to seeing the analytics of like where people are listening from, what platform they're listening on. The biggest platform that I see, honestly, is mainly like Spotify and Apple, I believe. Let me double check if that's changed at all. Um, wait a minute. Oh, it's changed. So, listening platforms is other. Like, 45% is other. Google Podcasts is 16. Apple Podcast is 14. Spotify is 11. Anchor is 3%. Overcast is 2. Bullhorn is 5. I don't even know what Bullhorn is. That's the beauty of Anchor, though. They managed to actually kind of just spread you out in a number of different places. But, 91%, of my uh, listeners listen in the United States, but we also have people from Ireland, United Kingdom. So that's pretty cool. Um, But yeah, I would actually like to see where you all are from. So if you wouldn't mind sending me an email or something on Instagram, the uh, info is in the description below. Let me know where you're from. And I'd like to uh, let me know where you're from and where you, what do you listen, what platform you listen on? Because I would love to, like, just kind of gauge. Because I thought, honestly, I thought Spotify was the biggest one for the longest time. But it's not even in the top three. I don't even know what the other is. It's really, I, I don't know why it's not categorizing it as anything, but whatever. Um. So, I wanted to take the time to bring back a very meaningful mini series i guess not really a mini series but a series i should say cuz it's going to span a lot of episodes bringing back the retrospective of Kingdom Hearts 1 and onward as i go throughout the series and of course um for other series too once i get around to doing that but yeah i mean it's it's a series that's most dear to me and it's just like man the last episode I did of this was episode 19, and we're episode 51 now. That is quite a gap. But, I mean, I'm not... I know most podcasts out there kind of stick to certain a certain topic. I do, to a degree, like most of my content is either gaming-related or art-related, so it's still kind of in that same niche, but... Altogether, it's all about pop culture in general and just escapism, so I feel like I'm still in that same kind of ballpark, so uh, let me see here, so last time we left off, we were kind of finishing off Traverse Town, and I'm going to repeat a few things here that I probably said in the last episode, but we beat the last boss, which was, well, not the last boss, but the we beat the final boss of that segment we get a chance to meet two people that are going to be significant to Sora for the majority of the series Donald and Goofy who would have thought back in the day when this game was coming out that we would have such a close closeness with these characters now with me I grew up with these characters in their own cartoons for sure but did I ever think I would have this closeness to them in a series such as this? No. <laughs> but fortunately, I never had an issue with these characters. I always liked them and was always excited to see them on uh, t- on TV or any video games. And now that I think about it, I can only think of one other instance where I was really, like, really excited to see them. And I can only think of one other game that I saw them in and that was epic mickey but then again those were doppelgangers of them those were robots there were animatronics of them for some reason i don't remember the whole plot of epic mickey but hopefully we do get epic mickey in the next uh series but next next game dude it, oh dude yes yes just just shut up and take my money <laughs> so we end up talking to Leon, Yuffie, and Aerith. They say out their goodbyes, and we kind of just have this awesome meeting of re- yeah, meeting of the two. And I gotta admit, I, if this was a if this was a KH three battle, we probably would have had at least Leon and Aerith, or not Aerith, uh, Leon and Yuffie end the fight with us. That would have been so dope. Hopefully we get that in the future where we have them at least them in the midst with us. I mean, the best we got was the Hollow Bastion level in KH2 midway through the game, and that was great, even though everyone came in like individually, but still pretty awesome. That moment. uh, one of the best moments in the series, without a doubt. So just as a quick recap of that, we end up getting a lot of great things for them. We start learning um, how to do the base forms of uh, magic, like fire, for instance. We learned dodge roll, which is a pivotal ability in this series. And we learned trinities. I really, really wish trinities uh, kind of... I, I kind of wish they returned throughout the series. I thought they were a really cool little thing that... Just a really cool collectible that gave you awesome things. I actually just finished... Uh, playing a little bit of Fallen Order, uh, Star Wars Fallen Order. And I'm towards the end game now, and I'm getting to the point where I want to go through all the levels that I have, all the abilities, and just start collecting things. And mainly what you collect, for those who don't know, you collect um, cl- customization items. So different items for your lightsaber to customize that, for your robot, your droid, I should say. Uh, you know color schemes for him and also different color schemes different aesthetics in general for your character which i love and that would be really cool to have a sorted thing happen in the future game like bring back the trinities but you could um kind of have a hybrid between like how 0.2 was with aqua how you could the more you did things like challenges or just leveled up you unlocked new things for her to wear I think doing things like that for Sword and Goofy, and even other characters, like, I thought it would be really, really fun to to have. So, that recap was a little messy, but I'm just going to leave it at that, because I did recap enough in the previous episode. So, we have, I believe, a cutscene, if not now, it's going to happen soon enough, where we kind of see the round table of villains. The... Marvelous collection of antagonists that we deal with. Uh, most of them more than once throughout the series, if not... Right, yeah, we fought all of them more than once. Because it was Maleficent, Oogie Boogie, Captain Hook, Hades, and Ursula. Yeah, and we fought them all at least twice. Yeah, okay. And... Wait, was Maleficent... With Maleficent, we've only fought Hoda, as Sora, we've only fought her, like, once in a game. As far as, as, far as the game, like, that, I count that as one instance because it was in the entirety of one game, even though we fight her uh, twice. But the next time we fight her, as far as, like, the game releases go, was BPS, and that, you know, that doesn't count. And then we do fight her in Melody of Memory, but that's still... Um, the BBS crew, so huh, so I was only fought her once. That's kind of weird to think of because we don't fight her in Recoded and we don't do anything with her at all, really. In two, and then she's just like a cameo, really. In three, huh, well then, whatever. I guess, um, I really hope they do more with those characters, her and Pete. I know in three, it was kind of like laughable how little they were in the game. But, I don't know. I know it was kind of just to make sure that, you know, hey, don't forget about them. They have more to do in the future. I'm hoping that's really what it was. But, anyway, that's three. This is one we're talking about. Um, They kind of just discuss what's really going on here. Kind of figuring out that... Huh. Oh, wait a minute. He doesn't unlock the keyhole until, like... Because he... You no, know, that's the first... He doesn't lock the keyhole until the reverse armor. Okay, I'm jumping the gun on me here. <laughs> oh, man. I should just watch videos before I do these episodes so I have, like, everything in there. But as much as I've played these games, I know the gist of it. And this is just just to talk about how awesome these games are and just kind of give my overall thoughts, you know. It's not really supposed to be a a book read type deal Um, where I'm just talking about every little detail. That would be nice, though. But I know there's other people that do it far better than I will. But anyway. um, The next world we go to, I'm just going to jump from there. Um, the The first world, I should say, that we go to where we get to travel in the gummy ship is Wonderland. And that's when we finally get the taste of our first gummy ship mission. And I know a lot of people, probably 90%, if not more, do not like the first game's gummy uh gummy ship levels for me i'm kind of neutral i don't like them but i don't dislike them i think it's interesting because it's something different and you have this space combat it's simple but it's just a nice little break in between it's 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 just a, just a nice change of pace and don't get me wrong it's not it doesn't hold a candle at all to two or three scummy ship missions but I think overall it's still nice I think because of the music and just the way the ships look and the environments just have this weird but still alluring aesthetic to it that just draws me in I, I get excited when I embark from planet to planet for the first time mind you mainly that's because after the first go you can Um, After, I think, a little bit, once you upgrade your gummy ship with Sid, upgrading your ship, I should say, you get to warp from then on. on. Like, the first time you venture out, you have to do the path, but then the second time and onward, you can warp. So, I I think if they made it so you couldn't warp and you had to do it all the time, have to do the gummy ships, no matter what, I think then I'd be more so on the side of, I don't like it. But I think the warp is its saving grace. So fortunately, they thought, they thought uh, they had a good idea. They were they were really they had their thinking caps on. So that was really good. And oh man, I part of me also wishes in this game they used Leon, Euphine, Aerith a little bit more. But I think they used them just enough for them to still leave a nice, um, a nice little piece wonder and to bring in the final fantasy people the fans and be like oh man that's cool that they're they a form of them exists in this universe so that's really cool and they're holding down the fort they're holding down hoarding wow holding down the um traverse Town, one of my favorite worlds and that that makes sense you know hold hold that place down because that's their home they lost the original one so of course why would you leave the other one when you guys are pretty much the front line of defense, so. Alright, so going to Wonderland. This, like, I, I gotta reference the Anthem Report podcast. I gotta I gotta remember if it's just Jason or Mike, but I think it may be just Jason who just strongly dislikes Wonderland. And I know that's a common thing in the community. A lot of people don't like Wonderland, and... I can understand it it's the level design can be it's it's different but that's what I like about it I actually pulled up an article that um ranks the kingdom arts worlds from worst to best and number nine on the list was wonderland deep jungle and monstro and they listed them as a tie (laughs) which that was pretty funny um so I'm going to read this little passage they said real, real quick. This is, um, like I said, this is from the Gamer.com website, uh, Kingdom Hearts 1 worlds, ranked from worst to best. So Wonderland, Deep Jungle, and Monstro are all different shades of mediocre <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Um, Each world has at least one strength that carries it and makes sure they're not too frustrating to get through, but they're three of the most flawed worlds in the game. Wonderland drags, Deep Jungle is confusing, and Monstro is a genuine maze. But, Wonderland has a great aesthetic, Deep Jungle has fantastic music and action, and Monstro tells a pretty good story while emphasizing exploration. Even at its worst, Kingdom Hearts' Hearts' world design is deliberate and has purpose. Wonderland, Deep Jungle, and Monstro are far from the game's best work. But it's easy to understand why they're in the game. And I like that. I like how they had that constructive criticism at the f- at the beginning. And then they kind of bring it back and still say that they're still nice additions to the game. Because it was their first outing. They're really trying something different here. And I appreciate that. And I gotta admit though. I mean... Deep Jungle definitely has the best music, I think, out of the three. But I think they all like. I think all the worlds had great music. Um, for me, though, I don't have an issue with Wonderland. If anything, I kind of wish it had more to it. But what they did offer was nice. I mean, and the story was it, it it fit. So you land there, and they're starting off just falling down the little rabbit hole, and they run into the white rabbit, who, of course is running late. and the way that they handle everything, you know you're walking down the corridor, the wall the doors there's like a bunch of doors in, in, in between each other inside each other, I should say bigger to smaller and everything was just fit. it fit really well and I think that's how all the worlds did. I mean, you know, that's that's what I really appreciate about the level design for all of these worlds, even across all the series. They're very faithful to the source material. And honestly, that's all that's all I can really say as far as the the set piece. It's very faithful. And with this, Sora, Donald Goofy run to the door the doorknob, and it's the doorknob that the White Rabbit goes through, you know, they're trying to figure out what's going on, so they want to follow him, and they can't, because the doorknob is a chump, he is mean, he just wants to nap, and I can't knock him for that I really can't, but at the same time he's a chump, because he's preventing our protagonists from progressing, that is chump level status, and I will never never forgive him anyway, so (laughs) this is where the gameplay, I think was really interesting this level allows you to increase and decrease your size of course in the first part this first area here you're able to do it via drinking these two uh, concoctions and i wonder part of me always wondered like what does it taste like does it taste like fruit punch is it more like a gatorade is it just pure battery acid what is it and Overall, I think it's really cool, um, but there's a puzzle. Like th- that's something I miss with the series is that one had a bit more environmental puzzles to them, and hopefully in the future we kind of bring that back. Uh, that's something that also the gamer, uh, the gamers joint references uh, from time to time with his videos with um, the uniqueness that Kingdom Hearts One brought in regarding that and i think it really made the world more lively and especially fitting the whole wonderland uh the the wonder of it honestly so there's a couple things you can do here whether it's progressing like pushing the bed into the wall or um what was the other things you can do there's that and then there's some other things you can push into the wall which at the same time pushes other things out Opening either new passageways or unlocking new secrets for you to venture through to find uh, new items. And I really like when you go through here, you kind of just bump into uh, not only Alice, but the. Oof. Oof. It's not the Red Queen, it's the Queen of Hearts. There we go. And of course, she's being her normal, crazy self, has Alice on trial. For what? Attempt of attempted theft at her heart. Now, I always kind of wondered, I always wanted to see the scene that happened before that that made the Queen of Hearts think it was Alice of all people. A 10 year old or wait, was she 10 or 8? Either way, this little girl attempted theft of your heart. What? (laughs) But I think that's why when it comes to the novels, I kind of wish that they delve more into these. Yeah, I wish they kind of took more creative uh, freedom with this sort of thing. But um, I do like that. So I haven't read the Kingdom Hearts 1 novel. But I know that in 2, they deal more with like what Nomaday thinking during the whole restoration of Sora's heart. And I thought that was cool. But all in all, I wasn't really too happy with Volume 1 of the Cage 2 light novel but I mean it's called light novel for a reason so um, I do own the BBS one as well I'm not sure if I'll be reading it anytime soon but I I, I, th- I really am interested to see if the volume if the novel talks about this at all I know the ma- manga doesn't it's more straightforward but it's still very fun <laughs> and I wish I could compare it more through the series as we go on but We'll see. I'm going to try and show more references. But anyway, um, but this kind of helps cement how crazy the Queen of Hearts is. She kind of just blames everyone and her first response to anything wrong is off with the accusers. No, off with the. Uh, what is it off with the I can't think of the word. The plead? How do you plead? What's the. Oh, shoot. I can't think of the term. Well, I'm sure you know what I mean. Off with the. Is it the accusee? No, the accusee is the one who's accusing. No, the accuser is the one who's accusing. The accusee is the one who's being accused. I think. Yeah, we're going to go with the accusee. And if not, uh, I'm sure you know what I mean by now. So, she's obviously in a pickle. And no one really bats an eye because everyone's scared of the Queen of Hearts, obviously. If you saw the movie, it's pretty obvious. She has the power over everybody, even over the king. And I got to admit, I actually am kind of bummed they didn't have the king in this uh, version. Him and the Mad Hatter and the the March Hare. They were, the March Hare and the Mad Hatter were at least referenced in this version. But I really would have loved to see what they could have done if they were able to do more. Like, for instance, if they were ever to do a remake, like you know, like they did like I, I would love to see them do a remake of this game like they did Final Fantasy Seven or with the legendary collection of Mass Effect. This would be phenomenal because imagine the things they could add to it. They could add they could add the king in there. They could add the March Hare and all that because it would be like giving it the, th- the the three treatment where they have NPCs everywhere, they have more story because each world would feel almost like its own game. And don't get me wrong, they each world does feel like that regardless. But you know, these are two different these are two different beasts. You know, they're, one was released on the PS2, while three was released on the four. That's multiple generations of games in between the two so but I think either way it was really cool how we, how Sora you you see how his character is here he jumps in while Donald and Goofy are a bit more hesitant because of the world order type deal and I gotta respect that I do like the world order thing I, I like how that was sort of a kind of a little subplot in the game but You know how much could you really encourage that with what you needed to do in each world? So it was. I kind of wish they explored that world order, world order thing a bit more. But at the same time, there's so much you could do because of what they needed to do, and so forth. But there were sometimes where I'm thinking it's it is kind of weird that they didn't disguise themselves a bit more in certain worlds. But I'll go into that at another point because this one isn't really relevant to that, per se. Um, So Sora tries to defend her, uh, defends Alice after realizing that, wait, theft of your heart? Oh, the heartless. Of course. Who else could it be? And this is where it gets pretty cool. This is where we get into this sort of investigative mystery type thing where we have to kind of figure out how to save Alice from being beheaded because she's locked away in a cage and the queen orders us to find proof to pretty much just prove her innocence. And this was one thing I didn't really realize until years later. I didn't, this was one of the many things I didn't realize until Kingdom Hearts came out on the uh, 1.5 version on the PS3. You could talk to Alice. I know. I know for many people who are fans, who probably knew this back in the PS2 era, probably like, "What? You're just now realizing this?" Yes, I'm just now realizing this. It's crazy, but I do like that you're able to interact with her, and she kind of gives a backstory of how she got there. Pretty much just following her. I think she. I think she did say she was following her cat and just fell down the hole, and now she's being accused for attempted murder. Pretty much, what a lousy day. <laughs> Um so I thought that was really cool. Uh you get to talk to her for a little bit. You get to talk to actually pretty much everybody. You can talk to the card uh soldiers, you can talk to the white rabbit, you can even talk to the queen for a little bit. And it's interesting how they kind of arranged this world. This is the thing that I liked and also dis- <laughs> disliked well, excuse me this is one thing i liked and disliked about the uh, about the level why did everything look like we were in a box i i never understood that because when you go to every other world everything looks like you're out outside out in the open but when you're here it i don't know if i don't know why that was done because everything looks like it's painted to the walls it's like we're in shoeboxes almost and I always kind of wondered what was the point of that because the original Alice in Wonderland cartoon wasn't like that but or was it I haven't I've only seen it like twice but I could be wrong but I could have sworn it wasn't like that so I kind of wonder what was the creative decision behind that but anyway Uh this was a really cool idea and the fact that the Cheshire helps you but not flat out they kind of just tell you hey if you find these you'll be able to prove alice is innocent but you know he kind of it was kind of almost a monkey's paw where he gives you hints but at the same time it's like uh, yeah you're not gonna like getting to this part though but then i guess it's not really a monkey's paw but you get what i mean um He's not flat out holding their hand. He's kind of just appearing for his own kind of entertainment and saying, hey, I'll help you out because I'm kind of bored. That's the kind of thing I got from that whole ordeal. And he even tells you if you find all four, was it four or three? I believe it was all four, all four, uh, all four proofs of... uh, of things to uh, to prove her innocence, I can't think of the word. All four clues. There we go. Uh, he'll give you a special gift. And I thought, oh, wait, what's a what's a disappearing cat gonna give me? Now, this is something I thought I think would have been really cool is if there were certain powers you could do outside of like casting magic. Like, say for instance, what if the Cheshire Cat gave you the ability to go invisible, so you could av- you could avoid um, heartless encounters. You know, I kind of thought, what, what? How cool would that be if certain characters were able to give you these abilities if you did certain like side missions for them? I think that would have been really cool. But so, what's kind of funny is you, as you go throughout the world trying to figure out, um, what's what? You know, you're in this forest and you can interact with the flowers, and if you give them certain things like potions, they give you other things like maybe if you give them a potion or ether they gave you an elixir or a bunch of like mp or um an item you can use later to create something else or they'll transport you somewhere else where you can do this other interesting thing so i thought that was really cool and of course um fortunately it's not that hard finding the clues to prove Alice's innocence but my question is why were they in a box, a present? like a, a, a It's a present wrapped with a bow. Because my I have two questions for you. Who put them there? And why were they wrapped so elegantly? Was it the Cheshire? Oh, wait, actually, no, three questions. Because in these boxes, there is a number of things. There's pieces, pieces of the heartless. Because one of the boxes is the antennae. Another one are Footprints, another one is stench, and the fourth one, I don't remember. But you see where I'm getting at, right? That is so odd. <laughs> I feel like the Cheshire was just attacking, it must have been Shadow Harless, because why not? Of course, the most common and the weakest up until 0.2 when we find out they can do these crazy tornado things, um... Yeah, it's just so crazy to see that. I can actually picture that. The Cheshire just like, you know, like he's hunting them like rats. You know like how Catch is like to play with their food, just hunting and just batting them back and forth. I can see the Cheshire cat just leaping on a shadow and just batting them back and forth. And this is like moments before he realizes, oh, this guy needs proof of the heartless. I want to rip this thing to shreds. Oh, it's a win-win. So, <laughs> I never thought about that before. And I think that's a really cool idea. <laughs> so, pretty much the the Cheshire just follows you, honestly. Because what else is he doing? He disappears so he can just be incognito and just boom. But I do like, like I said, how this whole environment is just puzzle-esque. Because there's that and then there's the big tree. Where you can knock an acorn off. And that's another part where you can grow and shrink yourself. And the best part of why you're able to really kind of sense the the comical nature of this whole world is every time you hit the tree, it says something. It says, like, we or other things like that I forget I'm trying to remember what else it said it said at least two or three things One was we or it says I'm getting dizzy or something like that because you can hit the tree and it would spin because why not (laughs) I can only imagine what the roots look like and that actually opens up different pathways too and this is how you can kind of re-enter the first area you went into um, from that tree, and from other openings up top on different levels, and it's really cool how it's just, involve- it involves a nice kind of platforming uh, view of this world, and I really like that, so there's, I think, if I remember correctly, about two or three, I think three, honestly, I think I think three of the boxes are in that first room then the fourth one is through that kind of passage passage you need to take that hits the tree and then you have to aim and land on the faucet once you go and end up like on the wall of that upside down room and then once you get that then the Cheshire Cat grants you Blizzard? Yeah, Blizzard. And I thought this was really cool because in the manga When the Cheshire gives you Blizzard, it's during the boss fight. And Sora one-hit KOs the Heartless with that. But it looked crazy powerful. It looked like he didn't even have Blizzaga. It looked like he had Blizzaga Raga, whatever the... Like, it was just like a super (laughs) Omega-level casting. It just froze everything. It was awesome. And after that... Now, you can do it where... You can actually just go and just grab the first one that you see and return to the uh, to the court. And what happens is it just lessens your reliability. It, it essentially makes it harder for you to prove Alice's innocence. So the more that you have, the more you have against the Queen's own uh, stuff. Because she has her own proof, which is... Which baffles me because it's like, what what proof could you have against Alice? But anyway, um, what cracks me up, though, is that the queen literally says once you bring them all to, to the court, she says, oh, man, going through all of these, including yours and mine, which at that point, if you have all four, I think she only offers like one box compared to yours. She says, oh, man, it's going to take forever to go through these. We might as well just mix them all together and just pick one at random. And and me and Sora are just like, are you kidding me? (laughs) You are a horrible, horrible judge and a horrible person for even blaming Alice to begin with. Don't judge. Actually, if I was to say don't judge a book by its cover, that would go also for me because I'm, well, never mind. Innocent until proven guilty. I'll leave it at that. So this is a very interesting element of the of the level if depending on what you choose there's still now if you have all four it's highly unlikely that you will be the you will be the um loss of this but i like how there's different outcomes for this so of course the outcome you would want is for a Heartless to appear out of one of those boxes. How a whole Heartless was stuffed in a box and wasn't able to just transport out, I have no idea, but hey, game logic. Um, So that is your proof. But you can also choose wrong and somehow choose either Goofy or Donald and or Goofy and Donald and then you'll be without them for the fight because if you end up doing that the queen is just saying oh you guys were guilty <laughs> and just six the cart knights on you and it's like dude if we all just go through the boxes at the same time we that wouldn't be any waste of time because it's all at the same time so I always thought that her judgment was just really wacky there because there's two knights guarding the podium there is me Donna and Goofy we can all just walk up to a box, open it up, and boom. All at the same time, but whatever. Like I said, game logic. Um, either way, it's really cool, the different what-ifs that could happen. I've experienced them all. And, of course, with if you don't have Dawn and Goofy with you for the card fight, while well, you're trying to break the, the tower, I forget why you're supposed to break the tower, I think it's to let... Alice down or whatever, but either way, either way, she sticks the cards on you. You could even even though you have the shadow heartless proof, or no, the, the the knight, even though even though you have that proof, or you have or you end up having Goofy and Donald being proven guilty for some reason, wrongfully accused, excuse me, that happens. It's so weird. So um, one thing I liked about this battle, though, is that you can actually run up to the queen and hit her. You can actually hit her with the keyblade, and she flips over. You literally knock her out, and she just pulls a complete backwards flip. And she just on her head, just like legs dangling or just flailing in the, en- in the air about. And it's it doesn't do anything. It doesn't help you in the fight at all. You still have to fight all the cards. Well, no, you just have to keep hitting the tower and break it. You don't really have to attack the cards. But if you're playing on a harder difficulty, you might have to do that because they take some damage, especially the ones with the with the spears. Um, it's just I, I like that little feature though. Like they. They didn't have to add that in where you hit the queen and she literally topples over, but they did, and I love it. That was something I also didn't realize until 1.5. It was just, of course, when this game came out, I, w- I started to think, maybe there are things I n- never have ever experienced before. So I started to be a little bit more thorough, and of course, I was much older at this point, so I started to think more about things. And boom, like some people to this day still don't know about that. And I thought that was awesome. And of course, once you do this, unfortunately, the cage comes down. And what do we find? Alice is gone. And we don't know why. So the queen orders the cards to find her. And we're, all, we're <laughs> surprisingly off the hook, I guess, because we mopped the floor with everybody and they don't have, they don't want anything else to do with us anymore, which I thought was kind of funny. I don't know if it was because of that or if it was just an oversight or maybe they were just more focused on Alice because the queen viewed her as the biggest culprit because she still believed that Alice was the one who was going to steal the heart. I don't know, but either way, I guess. So, while this is happening, we don't know what's going on. We kind of are just back at it again, trying to figure out where to go. And this is when we are able to get to the last part of the world. You can actually go through this world pretty fast. And this is where you actually end up going to... I think this is the first time... No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the first time you can go there because... I was going to say the Mad Hatter and March Hare's area because it's at the far end of the forest and you can only get there once that rock is moved which is spit out by the flower randomly. And part of me is like, this is such a weird world. Um, One thing I would love for them to do, I actually talked about this too um, during my uh, playthrough of the game on my YouTube channel. Um, I was never ever to finish it though because... Technology issues galore. Ugh. I was able to get pretty decently far in the game, but hopefully I can go back to it in the future once I have better equipment. But anyway, I always wondered what if they, if they were to ever bring back Alice of Wonderland. I think it'd be perfect because think of what they could do. One side of it, like how they handled Olympus Coliseum, and two. Where, you know, the top half is Olympus, or not Olympus, but it's the Colosseum, I should say. And then the bottom is the Underworld. Imagine if they did that with Wonderland. So the top half is the original cartoon Wonderland, and the bottom half is Tim Burton's Wonderland. Oh, yeah. Because I, I really wanted to explore that world, and I think it'd be really cool. Because imagine if you got to go through... First, uh, imagine if you got to go through um, fighting like the Jabberwock, for instance. That would be so fun. I would love to fight the Jabberwock. And then dealing with just the Queen of Hearts and her henchmen and stuff. It would be really, really cool. There's a lot of different things I can talk about regarding this. Um, overall, I think it'd be a really fun experience. So, and let me know if what you all think about that. If it's something that would be cool to do or if you kind of you, are you kind of just done with wonderland i can understand why because we had it like what we had it in the first game we had a we had chain of memories and then we had recoded i think it was pretty decent and recoded um uh, most of the worlds in Re- and chain of memories i don't really i don't really like chain of memories the story i do i just don't like the layout of the worlds compared to the other games but i do enjoy the story at least but um, I do like the new take they handled with uh Recoded, but I just, I do feel that if they were to bring it back, that would be the perfect way to do it. It'd be super fresh. And this is where, when we get to this part, that's where we see the March Hare and the Mad Hatter, and we see a portrait of them, and they're sad, and it said a merry, uh, uh, what was it? A very unmarry unbirthday or something like that. And it made me think, oh, man, why were they so sad? I, it makes me wonder if it was because of the Heartless and they just randomly hung a, a picture of themselves sad. And then it's like, wait, who took the picture, though? I Did they set it on the timer? I, I have so many questions. Where are they now? And. I just wonder and this is I I know the game does get dark but part of me kind of wonders dude what if we got to fight a mad hatter and a march hare heartless like imagine if they were like separate but like one boss fight or maybe they were mini bosses I would really love to see that I think that'd be so cool but either way uh, I think that'd be a really nice thing to have um There is a little mini game there, too. I don't know if you can do it then or, like, after you come back. But you can do, like, a musical chairs thing where if you sit in the right chair, you get, like, a bunch of money and uh, little uh, other items, too, which is kind of cool. And, of course, there's chests and stuff above you can get. Most of them are gummy pieces. You get uh, uh, some of the first batch of the 101 Dalmatians to help Pongo and... Perdita? Perdita? I forgot their names. I liked, I really liked that mini minigame, or not minigame, I really liked that collectible. It, it was really cool but at the same time dude, who who is the monster who is putting these Dalmatians three at a time in these small chests? I mean, they're fortunate there's a keyhole there so they can at least breathe but it's like dude, I gotta like the, the, the sadness. Just it's just sad. It's I know it's a game. I know no one really did it. It's just a game, but dude, <laughs> part of me just really thinks someone really did that. Oh my gosh! Can you imagine if like the what what are their what are their names? The, the owners of Pongo and them were just like nah 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 nah. Y'all took a litter, and just y- you guys are literal bunnies. Like they literally had a hundred and one Dalmatians when it should have been like maybe what eight to ten is the usual litter for dogs. I don't know, but dude, wow. I'm I'm sure they were like, nah, we're no, no. I don't have. I barely have enough to feed y'all, <laughs> and they just he just ships them out in chests oh my gosh can you imagine he like just puts all them all in chests three at a time and just has these balloons and they just lift into the sky out into the sp- into out into space and they just travel and, and crash land onto these other planets wow that's that is messed up I cannot view the 101 Dalmatians movie the same ever again now thinking about that <laughs> or maybe he was doing that to get them away from Cruella De- I'm thinking too much into this I'm just gonna move on <laughs> That's so, that doesn't make any sense Um. so with that we go into another kind of puzzle area where there's things you can do on the ceiling there's things you can do on the walls it kind of just depends on how you enter the room which I really 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 liked and oh wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute it's the same room oh, I'm stupid I forgot it is the same room so the floor Is where the doorknob guy is and the table where the drink me stuff is. But the ceiling is where we enter from. And it's like this house that just looks normal. Then you enter it and you find out, oh, no, it is not. So that was really interesting. Um, Here you can do a couple other things. Like there's a trinity underneath that chimney. Then there's like the flower on the side that gives you a couple items and stuff if you do that. And overall... Really interesting. Like I said, I I loved Wonderland. I really, really liked it. And when you get to this part, you have to light the candles, two candles in the room. And I like how the Cheshire, he just knows. It's interesting how when you go to these worlds, some characters just know about light and dark. And it's like, how do you know that? Where did you find that out in, like, it, it, the Heartless don't surprise some people. Like, King Triton is the big, biggest example. He knows about the Keyblades. But I guess, you know, with a weapon like his own, the the Triton, how how would you not know of other ones, I guess? Maybe there was a Keyblade Wooder in his oceans at, at some point in time back when there were plentiful. Well, more, more plentiful than now uh, since 3 came out um so the cheshire tells you okay you can light these but hey what did he say he said something messed up he the, the whole time we deal with the cheshire uh i gotta admit even from the beginning when i was, when i first played the game i thought i don't like this cat i feel like we're gonna have to fight him i feel like he's leading us in a trap but no, he's just letting us do all the dirty work because I feel like the Cheshire is probably the strongest person, the, the strongest being in that world. He's just lazy. He just doesn't want to do anything. He's like a puppeteer and pun intended, because literally the boss we fight that he, you know, kind of almost six on us is a puppet. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to leave that right there. Um. This was an interesting thing. I I can't remember what he said. It was something close to along the lines of, I hope you're ready. If not, then oh well. And from the ceiling, you see the heartless drop. I forgot his name. It was something like the trickster or something, but I do like how they designed him. He was kind of just like this, almost like this circus performer kind of puppet where his arms are paper, but they roll up, and he has this really tall head, and it was just a really cool clown-like puppet, Heartless, really, really unique, and I think he returned and recoded, for him, if I remember correctly, but either way. Now, I do know in Final Mix and then the OG version, all the Heartless were re-skinned. They had these different colors to them because they were tougher than what they were in the vanilla version. Um, t- to some, I think, were good re- re-colors or reskins. Others, not so much. Um, the guard armor, for instance. I forgot to mention that before. Uh, or did I? I may have mentioned it in the previous episode. I don't know. But the guard armor in the OG version was purple. A couple different shades of purple. In the final mix, he's almost kind of patriotic. Like he's red, white, blue, I think gold as well. Um, Now that one I like a lot. I don't remember the trickster, his look at all, honestly. I should look it up, honestly. But my phone is about to die. But when has that stopped Mm -hmm. me before, right? Uh, Let's see. Wonderland Boss Kingdom Hearts 1. All right, so let's see here. Okay, so he's called the Trick Master. I wasn't too far off. All right, so originally... Oh, cool. Okay, big shout-out to khwiki.com. So they show how he looks with the original, you know, red, black, and gold, and then the other tab over is Final Mix, where he's purple, pink, kind of a lime green in Grey. And then Kingdom Hearts X. KHX. Um, the mobile game. Is where he's back to his like more classical color scheme. Now it's crazy. Because I've played Final Mix so much. I kind of forgot about the reskins. Because I mean. Who goes back to playing the originals? Like mind you. I still own the originals probably. But I don't go back to playing them. Mainly because I don't have a PS2. But I mean then again. The Final Mix version is the better, because, you know, more content and all that, but, um, looking at it now, I gotta say, I do like the Final Mix version of the Trick Master, but I feel like the original is better, but, yeah, he's really cool, his boss fight's interesting how he kind of just r- walks around swinging his kind of maracas about, and then he goes to the chimney at one point, because apparently there's a flame, there's, like, a grill <laughs> attachment to it, and he can start... Uh, throwing fireballs at you and at this point it's interesting because you can't attack him at all f- from his legs his legs take don't damage you literally <laughs> and i'm surprised this isn't talked about as often as it is but you literally fight the Trickmaster by hitting him in the crotch Cause that's the far, that's the highest point you can hit where he takes damage. And of course, eventually you can stun him with enough hits and then you can hit his head and chest and stuff. But it's like, dude, I don't care what he is. That is still a crotch area. (laughs) It's just like, wow, this is crazy, but, um, not a bad boss fight. He's, he's interesting. I didn't really have any issues with him to be honest. Um. Oh, apparently he has four appearances, Kingdom Hearts 1, Chain of Memories, uh, Coded, I was correct, he did appear in Coded, and he did come in X as well. And apparently there are different variations, uh, Crimson Prankster, Track, Trick Master, Jack in the Box, and Egg Master. What in the world? Oh, interesting, I'm looking at the Jack in the Box now. And it looks like, okay, so these are just variants that appear in the Union X game. Interesting. I didn't know they made variants of this. Now, that is actually really cool. Now, picture this. If Union X was more of a proper MMO where it was on console games where you could, like, like, imagine uh, KOTOR, you know, the old Republic, but imagine it, modernized where, and then, you know, in the KH universe. So you're playing uh, as a customizable character back in the day, reliving the same story, but, you know, on on console graphics where it's open world and you get to go against all these variants because I would love to see how a lot of these variants would play. But, yeah, I mean, these, these are pretty cool. I, I won't really bother describing them here, but... This is really cool, I dig it, okay, so after you beat this guy, he doesn't he's not too hard, honestly, he can be a little tricky mainly because of you have to keep jumping up and up and up. he is uh he does have a little bit of a weakness to freeze, which is interesting, and after that, he falls down, his heart goes away, and boom, you're done, but of course, with this good news, you get bad news. The Cheshire. Unfortunately, it has to tell you that, hey, you succeeded in this, but unfortunately, Alice is no longer even on this world. The dark... She's been claimed by the darkness. Part of me wonders if she saw Riku do it, because it kind of makes sense, because how else would he transport from world to world? He would have to use a dark portal, and yeah. So... At this point, we don't know it was Riku. We don't really know Riku was doing this until a little bit later on in the game. But yeah, it was Riku who kidnapped Alice. And at this point, I do like that Sora, you know, he he, showed, he says, No, you, know, like you can hear it in his voice, even though it is a text bubble. You know, he, he drops his head and he just, he slouches a little bit and just says, No. And of course, Star and Goofy kind of have that optimism at one point. One of them says, you know, I'm sure we'll we'll find her again at some point. And this is when we find out apparently the doorknob is the keyhole to this world, which actually makes a lot of sense. It's pretty much on the nose. And that's when he kinda spits out a gummy piece at us for some some odd reason. And we're pretty much done with that world. That's it. Um, we collect the gummy piece, we take it to Sid, and he, you know, he is the one who has to figure out what this is all about, and this was another, this is actually when we start to see more of the table of villains here. This is the cutscene I meant to say earlier, where they're talking about, oh man, he sealed a keyhole, what? And... Actually, no, I think they said it when they, no, because we didn't seal the keyhole for the, yeah, yeah, it was this one, it was this one, because we didn't see the keyhole for Traverse Town until later, so this is the first ever keyhole that we seal, which was interesting too because of the way it happened, like the keyblade literally does it without Sora, you know, controlling it, like it literally shoots his arm up and then boom just shoots a laser beam right in the mouth of the keyhole which honestly at first when I saw this back in the day I thought he just killed the (laughs) doorknob I thought it was just like fatality you know it would just look crazy but um because after that he closes his mouth and doesn't say anything he doesn't bother to say anything it's like hey what did you just do to me or what just happened he just doesn't acknowledge anything at all and I thought that was a little weird and if I can remember correctly I don't think you can interact with him again after that. I don't know if, cause I know before he was snoring and like after the boss fight, you wake him up and he says, why'd you have, why you guys gotta be so loud. And then that's when that happens. You, you, you low key kill him. <laughs> I'm joking, but that was cool. Yeah. So this is the scene where they do bring up, Oh man, that brat actually found a keyhole. Um, and then Maleficent goes on saying, who cares? It's gonna take them ages to find the rest. And actually, what I meant to say too before that, when they beat the when they beat the guard armor, that was when they brought up that oh yeah, the Keyblade. Okay, I'm, I mean the power is not his own though. Who, who cares? He, this guy's just ugh. he's just he's small fry. We don't need to bother about this guy at all. You know, classic antagonist under. Uh, what, what was the word? Under, not underdeveloped. Under, underestimating. There we go. Underestimating your opponent. Never do that. That's why villains lose ninety percent of the time because they're caught monologuing. They don't all just jump the the good guy when they have the chance. They're all just like, oh, oh, you can't beat me. I have all this power. Wrong. Jump them. <laughs> Look at me giving the bad guys, uh, all this. Knowledge. Ugh. No, I shouldn't do that. We got to keep them dumb so they can keep losing. Who wants the bad guy to win? I mean, some of you sick people want the bad guys to win because you love evil. You just want to see the world burn. I don't know any of you. And I don't think I want to. Anyway. <laughs> um, I think this was a very cool way to kind of establish what's going on here this is the first ever keyhole that you close even if well actually not quite it doesn't have to be because what you can do is if i'm remembering it correctly so traverse town is the first world you can go to the right and go to wonderland if you follow the difficulty stars that are listed for you, most people will recognize, okay, this star, this one has the least stars, I should go here first. So I'd imagine most people went to Wonderland or you can go down instead, which takes you to Olympus. And then if you go there first, which you're a masochist, um, you could go to uh, Deep Jungle instead. And honestly, if you do it that way. Technically, Deep Jungle, for some people out there, the rare batch, could have been possibly the first world they completed. And you'll still get that cutscene where, oh yeah, you guys, they, they they actually sealed a keyhole, which I thought was really cool. There are, are multiple scenes that happen in this game that can uh, be changed a little bit depending on what you do in the game, how you progress... And uh, just based on the order you do, and this is one of them. So, if you happen to actually beat Deep Jungle first, if you seal the keyhole there first and then go to Wonderland, you'll actually see, who is it, Snow White? Because what happens is, at that table, as they're talking, they talk about the seven princesses of the heart at one point, and then speaking of which, Maleficent says that, and then Alice is pushed out into the forefront amongst all these bad guys. Which I gotta admit, her lousy day just got just rock bottom. You're now surrounded in this room with all these villains, taken to this dark place with awesome music, though, by this strange boy, who probably had a sword. Nah, I don't know Riku. Nah, I don't think Riku would have He probably just grabbed her and just like pushed her through the portal and then pushed her back out. Yeah, uh, forget that. I don't think Riku was that scummy to actually pull out his uh, soul eater at her. But anyway, I kind of, I kind of really would have loved to see more scenes like that. I say this a lot when it comes to this game, but I really would have loved to see more of Riku's perspective. And if we ever get a remake, which, like I said, the fact that we got a FF seven remake, I think that automatically opens the door for one to be remade eventually. I mean, since we just got it um, in the one point five, in the complete edition, I don't expect it to happen anytime soon. But and plus, so many people hold one in such a high regard, me included, they would have to, they would be walking on super 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 thin ice. If they were to remake it, because they risk changing something that takes away from what made it so special. And that's hard, because I guess, honestly, if they just did a hybrid between what made all the other games so special and what made that special, they could do it, honestly. I could, like, coming off the top of my head, you know, adding NPCs, upping the graphics, making all of the... um taking out the voice bubbles, just adding more voice acting. It would be tricky because obviously Sora can't, you know, Haley Jo Osmond can't do that Sora voice anymore. He is permanently in King Mart's 2 Sora voice now. And, well, I guess not really because three and onward, he or no, Rechain, no, 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 no. Dream Drop Distance and onward, he sounds different now. And of course that makes sense because he's older. David Gallagher, he's kind of sound the same since beginning, so I don't think he would change much, Um, they dropped, they dropped Billy, they dropped Billy Zane, unfortunately, the best Ansem in my opinion, and they dropped Hayden Panettiere, so they wouldn't really be hard to redo, but yeah, I mean, just doing things like that, and honestly, I would keep the combat the same, just like up it a little bit, Um, maybe add some more magic in there, add the effects, make them a little bit better and just add more scenes where we get to see Alice, like her reaction to being in front of all these scary people and where she was held her, you know, putting her in that capsule that put her in a hibernative state so they could use her, her lighter heart to open up the, the door to Kingdom Hearts. You know, I, I, that's a scene that I really, really loved to see. And yeah, so yeah, that's that Snow White's possible cameo that you could get if you didn't uh, beat Wonderland first, if you beat like Deep Jungle first. So I thought that was really cool. And I don't know. I don't know if anyone ever did that. I think I tried doing it once, but it didn't work out that way. But either way. Yeah, that is, in a nutshell, I guess not really a nutshell, I explained it pretty thoroughly, uh, Wonderland. I think it's a really slept on world, but you know what even is the most, you know what's the most slept on world? Deep Jungle. Seriously. We'll be getting at that in the next part, but uh, to this day, I'm still bummed that we never, and probably won't ever go back to Deep Jungle because of the fact that Disney lost the rights to Tarzan. Which is just baffling to me because it's like, dude, it's Tarzan. Just get the money back. <laughs> just earn, excuse me, I said that wrong. Just buy the rights back. <laughs> it's it's like how how is that not a thing? The world was, I guess, because they probably didn't think they could do much else with it because back then they didn't really want to do anything. With the animated series side of things. But I am going to say this. Probably until the very day they. Either do it. Or they just. Don't either way. Until they actually do it. I'm probably going to bring it up forever. Bring in elements from the animated series. There is so much. Awesome source material. From Tarzan. From Aladdin. From Hercules. That they could have done. For these worlds. And I'll probably mention this again in those other worlds. Uh, just to go more in depth in what they could do. Um, with Wonderland there was only mainly just the cartoon. But that's why I referenced them having Tim Burton in there. Tim Burton's version because there's a whole buttload of new material they could add. Um, And I'll go further into this with Deep Jungle 2 next episode. But when, with Deep Jungle they could have done a bunch of new stories, like that's why, and yeah, I, I get it, you don't want to overuse certain worlds, but I mean, as often as we've gone back to Agrabah, as often as we've gone back to um the Olympus Colosseum, now mind you, I love these worlds, but it really bums me out that it took, what was it, it took one, two... Three chain of memories, and then three. It took all three of the, it took all four of those games to tell the first movie of Hercules. Now mind you, the first game doesn't really talk much at all about the first game, but Hades is doing the same thing in each one, and I mean, yeah, he's pretty much doing the same thing in the animated series, but it's a prequel, so it's like, dude, why didn't you take any? Oh no, BBS as well. Excuse me, I forgot about BBS. But it's like, there's so much source material you guys could use that would have made these worlds so much more fun to go to and, and less like drowned out. Like Imagine if you brought all these different stories. If they did that, I don't think there'd be people... I don't think there would be as many people saying, dude, stop it with Aladdin, stop it with Hercules, If if they had instead used all these original stories. But I'll leave it at that. Deep Jungle was slept on, and I'll talk about that why in the next episode. <laughs> but yeah, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I look forward to uh, talking about Deep Jungle next. We're going to go pretty much in the same order that generally most people play in. I forgot if I said that to begin with, but yeah. So Deep Jungle, then Olympus Coliseum, uh, Agabra, then I think Monstro? And then Halloween Town, Atlanta, Atlantica, excuse me, um, and then just onward and onward. And let me know, question of the podcast. I kind of want to, I actually always ask a question for y'all anyway in each episode, but here's us, another special one. What is y'all's favorite world in Kingdom Hearts 1? Mine is Hollow Bastion, my top tier one at least. But yeah, hope you enjoyed this episode, and until the wind hits our sails yet again, I will see you and the next episode. And until then, this is Aok Radio signing off. This is the end of side one of this record. Please now turn it over for the second side. Ooh, another chapter concludes. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to help support it by leaving a rating if possible, subscribing, and sharing the podcast with others. That way more people can see it, whether it's either from you or in their suggestion feed. And if you leave a review on the show, you'll get a shout out in the next episode. But due to my podcasts being available not just on multiple platforms, but multiple countries to ensure I see a rating, Uh, either send me an email with the subject AOK Radio or messaging me on Instagram, which is i.escape.i. So my social medias, my other social medias, I should say, and other projects like I Believe in Monsters, my short story narrations, and more are linked in the show notes below. And feel free to message me with any suggestions for future episodes. And if you ever want to be featured on one as well to talk about whatever subject, Hit me up there as well. Special shout out for Emac for uh, producing the beat, Always Love You. That is used as my outro and the song featured in my EP Canvas district. The intro song used is titled The Unstoppables, produced by me. A link to all those is also in the show notes. This is AOK Radio, signing off. There is always more to seek. So... Go forth and seek it.